Hello everyone and welcome to Basket News Talks. I'm the host Donatas Rubunas and today in Victoria Hotel Colonus I'm joined by Dante Hegsum, Barcelona guard. Welcome back, Dante. Thank you, thank you. It's been it's been a minute, but it's good to be back. <laughs> it's good to be back in Kaun to Kaunas because it's a place where you have a lot of good memories. In 2012, you won silver medal with Australia uh, youth team in under 17 World Cup. And uh, just to give some background, I remember that uh, you were cut by your under 16 team in Melbourne, right? Mm -hmm. Quite yeah. recently. And nobody was talking about you as, you know, lottery pick, future NBA draft uh, pick. What, did, what do you think? Did that tournament kind of change your fate? Uh, what yeah. kind of impact it had for your... I think, yeah, that was kind of like the beginning of it, really. Um, you know, kind of put me on the international stage. Um, I know, like, just even, you know, when I went to the NBA and talking about, talking to the scouts around there and just meeting some people, it was always, uh, they saw me at 17s and 19s eventually. But yeah, 17s was definitely, you know, the first time I was put on to kind of like that international stage where people got to see me and see me against uh, you know different competition. Um, yeah, back in Australia, it was kind of weird how we did things and how I wasn't playing as much as I, I could have or should have probably. But um, yeah, to go to a tournament like that here in Lithuania and then uh, come out with the silver medal was you know great for me. What do you remember the most about that experience? <laughs> uh, well, being here in uh, Lithuania, we actually love the Acropolis Mall. We were there like every day. So um, I have uh, like a couple, you know, of Rokas on my team. And, you know, I talk about Acropolis Mall. Like we were there every day, um, you know, even Nigel. So, no, it's just uh, it's just good memories there. I even texted one of the uh, one of my old teammates uh, from 17s about it. Yeah, just just for our viewers, Acropolis is not like in Athens, not that kind of Acropolis, just a shopping mall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just a, it was a shopping mall, but it was like the the one thing that um, you know we just went to every day. We went and saw a movie there. Everything they had everything. <laughs> and I have uh, a couple of uh, Lithuanian questions for you in the beginning. Uh, what do you think? What's the reason that one of my sources suggested to ask you about beats? What do you think <laughs> is like that? Ah, well, it's beats. So every time we have a team dinner, we have a lot of Lithuanians in our team and they fill their plates with beats, just beats, beats. And I don't know, I'd, maybe they just love beats too. I don't know. But every Lithuanian loves beats. So, <laughs> so I've been trying, I've been trying to uh, eat, eat more, you know, inspired by them. So I'm, I'm excited to head to dinner and try some beats finally in Lithuania, <laughs> see if it's any different. Uh, you're coming from the NBA and in, in the NBA there's a very different coaching culture. So tell me your, let's say, most shocking cultural experience with coach Sharuna Sisikavichus. We know how hard he is, how loud he is, how smart he is, but what do you remember, what do you remember, what was that first moment like, okay, where am I? And, or this is, this is way different from what I've used to. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's tough because, like, you know, everyone kind of looks at it from the outside in. Um, you know, obviously he's yelling and screaming. and um, But, you know, kind of at the end of the day, he's doing it all for a reason. You know, we've gone through scouting reports. And, um, you know, I think it, it's good. You know, it shows the passion that he has as a coach, you know, wanting to, you know, win, succeed. Um, but the high expectation he has of us when we're on the floor. So I think that's all it is. And it just, you know, he was a player. It shows his passion. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, definitely a shock. You know, you see it. I think the biggest shock I th we played, I won't say which coach it was, but one of the coach got ejected and 
took him like 10 minutes to get up from the court. <laughs> and I was like, we were sitting there like waiting, you know, like he just wasn't leaving. I was just like, okay, like this is Europe. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, it was Coach Ataman. I mean, he screamed, I won the cup. Yes. Yeah, that was one of the moments that should make the Netflix series yeah. of the EuroLeague. Yeah. Talking about the EuroLeague, you're coming to Lithuania as the MVP of the round 28. But I want to bring you to the beginnings of your uh, career stage in Barcelona. First seven games, like you, you were averaging like 13 minutes, scoring three points. What do you remember the most about that moment? Because, you know, you're coming from the NBA. You had hopes, you know, to regain your confidence, maybe to show off uh, for the NBA people. What do you remember about that tough situation? Yeah, I think, you know, when you kind of come into a team, uh, you know, they've gone through preseason. Uh, they've gone through like I guess like 20 games or something at this point in the season. And, um, you know, I hadn't played in a month or two and it was just, it was just an adjustment period. Um, you know, trying to see where I fit in the system. Um, I was playing the two at that point. Now I've kind of shifted to the three. So, you know, I was just trying to find where I fit in the team. Um, didn't know any of the plays, um, you know, translation problems, you know, it was just a lot of things. So, um, you know, as I got more and more comfortable, you know, you saw a couple of games uh, start to seep through, you know, some good games. But, you know, I think I'm at a point now where I'm comfortable and, um, you know, not only with me being comfortable out there, you know, guys are comfortable playing with me and know where I'm comfortable getting the ball and how I can score and make plays. Yeah, in the last five games, you were averaging uh, 13 points. You mentioned some of the reasons why your game kind of improved. What do you think? Who were these mentors in Barcelona team who help you to make that transition, you know, to get to know European basketball system better, to adjust uh, to Shalomis' scavengers, for example? Yeah, I think, I mean, the coaches definitely, like, they helped out a lot, you know, just learning the plays. Um, but, I mean, it's just it was just playing with everyone, you know, practice, and we practice a lot. So, you know, that helped, um, you know, just being comfortable out on the floor, knowing how the systems ran, you know, what kind of plays we are when I don't hear the calls because, you know, uh, a lot of the times during the first, you know, month, we're playing in Panathinaikos, we're playing in Zvedna uh, and these loud places, and I hardly know the plays, and I got a, I got the guard trying to call a play, and I'm like, I don't even, I don't know the play, don't know what he's calling because I can't hear him. So it's just, um, a lot of the times it was just kind of like, all right, go, go in the corner and, uh, you know, just try and play off that, so... Uh, but yeah, no, it's now I'm kind of fully um, emerged in the system and know, you know, kind of the flow of the game and how we're, we're, we're trying to play. What struck to your mind the most about uh, Shulness's Capture's playbook? As you mentioned, a lot of plays, a lot of difficult situations with a lot yeah. of different options. Yeah, I think, um, well, the biggest change for me, honestly, is, um, you know, we play through the post so much, you know, and it's not just us, but it's just in Europe in general. Um, you know, that was, you know, one of the things like obviously, you know, in the NBA, um, you know, with my speed and ability to get to the basket, um, the pain isn't as packed as much because, you, you know, there's defensive three. And um, so I think, you know, coming for me, not only having that, but you have a post player that's trying to post up to get the ball. Um, so that was one of the biggest adjustments I was trying to make, um, you know, coming over, you know, trying to find where I could, you know, drive the ball and not have a post player sitting right there. A lot of the mentioned points you were averaging recently, but the thing is that Dante Exum is very well known for his uh, defensive uh, presence. Uh, and I was just thinking, I was very curious, uh, 
which of the guards you faced or which of the perimeter players you faced were, let's say, closest to the NBA level in your eyes? You kind of, you know, playing defense against them and you kind of feel that, oh my God, this is, this is something, something very high um, level. I mean, there hasn't been, yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of players, you know, have been good and, um, you know, there's, there's not one player, you know, I think, you know, here, you, you know, you scout everyone and they scout us and they, you know, know their strengths. And I think that's one of the biggest things about guys, um, you know, at these professional levels and guys that have been over here for a long time, you know, as a guy that I've never even heard of, um, you know, I know he's not a shooter, so I can close out short, you know, different things, but, you know, he knows his strength, he knows how he can score, or he, what he can do to, you know, get to the basket. And, um, I, you know, you seem to find more and more of those players, so, yeah. I will want uh, I want to take you through three very, let's say, important days or moments uh, of your life. And first of all, the day when you were drafted, 19-year-old, fifth uh, NBA draft pick. What do you remember the most? What do you remember about that Dante Exum guy? What do you like about him? What do you dislike about that guy? Um, I think the, you know, the biggest thing I like, you know, Uh, obviously like you know I was excited and you know ready to take on the world and everything um but you know I think you know going back to that day and you know once I got drafted I kind of came in like not knowing expect like I wasn't never been on a pro team so it was kind of adjusting and trying to learn on the fly how to be around guys and um you know I think instead of just having that you know go out and just play and you know I was trying to worry about everyone else. Um, I think that was the, the, the you know, kind of the biggest regret I had. But, um, you know, the draft day was a, a great day. I think it was just, you know, all the hard work that I put in. Um, and it was just kind of like a celebration, for, you know, for me and my family, um, just to celebrate, you know, where I come from. The early mornings, I had to wake up with my dad and, um, you know, just to finally be in New York, kind of like the Mecca. And, um, yeah, it was just a, a great experience. And how do you remember the day or the moment when you signed papers with Barcelona and when you boarded the plane to Barcelona and you were ready to leave NBA after eight years and to go to Europe? Yeah, I think I think at that point um, I was excited. Um, you know, obviously I wanted to stay in the NBA. That was always my goal. Um, but I think at that point where I was, I, I just I just wanted to play. Um, you know, I'm a basketball player and. I was, you know, everyone's season starting, I'm watching stats, games, everything, and I'm sitting working out and I just, I was just like, I just want to play. So I think, um, you know, the opportunity arose when, you know, a couple of players uh, here got injured. And I think for me, it was just like, all right, like this is a, an opportunity. I get to go to Barcelona of all places, like crazy city, like beautiful, um, different culture. Um, so, you know, not only was great for me to come over here and just play basketball, but, you know, experience different things and it's been great so far. What do you, what's the most anticipated thing for you in Barcelona? What kind of, what maybe exceeded your expectations? What do you like the most about this uh, journey? I think the, the fans, like I'm, I'm, I've always been a, a big, uh, um, you know, like watching Europe and uh, one of my uh, teammates that I had before, like he, he loved uh, like Partizan. So he'd always show me videos of Partizan and, you know, they're crazy fans and when they play Red Star. Um, so I think that was the most thing I was excited about. And then, you know, coming over to Barcelona, obviously like I knew they had great fans, but I think even just, you know, being in Palau and, you know, playing and, 
you know, not hearing anything. I can't hear the guy next to me. And then even like, you know, the uh, last week in the game, I, you know, I got a chant for me. And, you know, I think it's just kind of those, those kind of moments that kind of stick out. So who was that guy who was a partisan's lover? Uh, his name is uh, Mirko Jedic. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he went over there for a bit, but he's playing uh, in uh, Cairns in uh-huh. the, uh, the Australian League right now. This is interesting because, for example, Mario Hazonia was a big fan of Panthinaikos and he was greeted uh, by thousands of Panthinaikos uh, fans when he joined Panthinaikos after oh. this there's in the NBA. So, yeah. yeah, there's some love, you know, outside Europe for, for these uh, European basketball fans. Yeah, yeah. The next big moment uh, for you, uh, Tokyo Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring us to the locker room of <laughs> Boomers celebrating the first ever international medal, bronze medal of the Olympic Games and watching these guys like Patty Mills, De La Vedova, uh, Ingles, who set the footprint for all you guys. And finally, there should have been some relief, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, the Olympics was such a, a big thing because, I mean, it, 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 for us, for Australian basketball, you know, it didn't start at the Tokyo Olympics. It's been a few years now. Like even when I first, you know, played 2014 and we were in Spain playing in the World Cup, you know, we knew we had a, a good team then that we could do something, that we could win a medal finally. And, you know, every time it just, you know, we seemed to come up short. It was, you know, we'd always do good. And just there was that one game that we would just lose. And, you know, you saw that at the um, World Cup in China, um, which I didn't play. But, um, you know, we, it, anyone in that tournament would argue that, you know, Australia should have won a medal for sure. And, you know, they just happened to lose the last two games. And I think... Going into Tokyo Olympics, there was just a determination, um, you know, not only from the, the new guys or the guys that hadn't been in the program as much, but, you know, just looking at Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Aaron Baines, Della Vadova, you know, what it meant to them to, you know, put on that Boomers jersey, to go out and represent the country. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it makes, you know, a perfect example is Th- uh, Matisse Thibel, you know, he'd never been a part of the program and you ask him about the Boomers now and, He'd tell you he's going to play every time he can. Um, so it's just a it's just a different culture. It's a different different you know way that we play and, and want to play. And uh, but that locker room after we won, because um, it's kind of weird. Like you know we lost the the obviously the semifinal to the US and we were up like 15 or something. We were up and you know we could kind of feel it. And um, you know we made a decision in that locker room after that loss that you know we weren't going to let let that stop us and we went out and Patty Mills played the game of his life and yeah it was just it was just an amazing thing to be a part of and you know I can't wait for um the World Cup uh next year and then you know Paris Olympics you know it's going to be exciting um you know, hopefully we can get gold um, that's the goal yeah probably we can expect some kind of you know generation change in Australian national team right Well, what do you think? Did you even try to talk maybe with Ben Simmons, for example? What does he think about the future of Australian basketball? Joining you guys, I mean, you, Matisse Taibul, uh, yeah. Gide is, is coming. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I've, I've talked to, to Ben a lot about it. And, um, yeah, he, wa- he wants to play. Um, you know, I think, you know, for, for us, it's, you know, different things goes on in, you know, people's lives and, um, and all that. You know, I was injured you know coming into that uh, to the Tokyo campaign so um 
you know, I'm just going to, I just want to play basketball. I've been injured way too much. I just want to play. But, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of decisions that go into it. And, you know, I know everyone, you know, that's talked to Ben and been around Ben knows that he wants to play. And when the time is right, he'll play. So. One of your buddies, John Ingles, uh, suffered a season-ending injury. He was also traded. How do you feel about him, knowing him uh, so well, knowing what Utah Jazz meant for him? Yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, it's... Yeah, I, I never want to see anyone get injured, you know, after everything I've been through. And, um, yeah, I, I think for him, he's been healthy for a lot of his career. Like, I know he's had, you know, some problems, but, you know, he played like some record amount of games in a row so you know it's something that he's definitely not used to um it's kind of sad that this is the way you know he kind of had to get traded and 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 everything um you know i know he loves the jazz and you know kind of set up shop there i was there with him but um i know he's going to come back stronger than ever he's going to be ready for the world cup he's going to be ready for the olympics and um yeah it's going to be fun What was the message you received from him when you joined Barcelona? Do you talk often? Yeah, I, about I, Barca? yeah, no, I talk, I talked to him. I mean, I, I've you know been around him for a lot, and I talked a lot of, to him about his time in Barcelona. You know, not only Barcelona, but his time in Europe. And um, right before I was thinking about signing, uh, I called him. You know, he'd played with Cyrus before, and um, I think it was just you know just kind of see what you know he thought of it. You know, playing in Europe. You know what it did and he was like yeah go just go go play go have fun you know he had a lot of fun when he was in Barcelona so um yeah you know he was you know very encouraging about it you have as many as seven Australian players in the NBA I don't know how much do you follow the NBA right now but what who impressed you the most for example from this large group of guys yeah no I mean Giddy for sure no Giddy's been amazing um yeah he, he's taken so many steps you know, in his game and, you know, his ability. Um, and, you know, that was the one thing when he was around the Boomers campaign, you know, this past summer, I talked to him about it. I told him, go, like, go out there and, you know, you know your strengths, you know what you do and just go out there and play. And, you know, he's been playing to his strengths and, um, you know, him being a taller guard is, you know, giving him the ability to, um, to, to do that. So, you know, he's definitely been, um, yeah, obviously the guy who's taking the biggest jump for sure. To wrap up this conversation, let's get back to Barcelona. And when you came to Barcelona, when you joined uh, Barca club, uh, you kind of thought that it's going to be your, you know, you're going to spend here three months uh, to cover Cor- um, Corey Higgins' absence and your plan was to go back to the NBA. What do you think, why did you decide to stay? What did you see in that situation th- through these three months? Yeah, I think for me, it always, it goes back to just, I, I, I'm a Barca player, I want to play. Um, And coming over here, you know, I was given the opportunity to play and, you know, I was, uh, um, you know, they had shown, you know, obviously the fans showed a lot of love and wanted me to stay. And, um, you know, with Corey going back down, um, you know, I think, you know, if I kind of went back to the NBA, it's just so many unknowns, you know, is it a 10 day? Is it, um, is it just going there and just sitting on a bench? So I think, you know, I'm always going to back my ability. Um, And I think for me in this time, I wanted to, instead of kind of going back and just trying to find a place or trying to find where the next home is, um, you know, I just wanted to stay, stay here, um, be comfortable. I started to get comfortable in Barcelona. I was starting to play well. Um, so I think I wanted to, to finish out. And, you know, being around the guys here in Barcelona, it's, you know, 
does that feel? They want to they want to win so bad. They were so close last year winning to winning Euroleague. So you know, I kind of felt that, and you know, I got a, a taste of it. You know, playing in Copa, and um, you know, I want to I want to win Euroleague. I think that's the that's the goal. That's exactly what I want to ask you for the end. I mean, we were discussing with my colleagues about your potential in the Euroleague. You already saw what is your potential so far after these few months in, in, in the Euroleague with Barcelona and with all this uncertainty in NBA, with, you know, chasing that dream, but in very difficult situations. What do you think after these three months, after this season ending with Barcelona, maybe you will reconsider your future because you were insisted on NBA future before, but now maybe you will reconsider staying here in Europe for a longer time trying to establish uh, your legacy uh, yeah I, I think I think for me you know one of the biggest things you know coming over here was trying to prove um, you know I can stay healthy <laughs> that was uh, you know talking to a lot of teams you know it wasn't about my ability it was just you know my ability to stay healthy and the only way I can prove that is if I'm playing on a team and you know we have the, a crazy pretty much NBA schedule this month so I think it's a perfect time to show that you know, I can just, I can keep playing, um, you know, knock on wood, nothing happens. But um, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, that's the goal. And then this summer we'll kind of revisit that. Um, but I think the the biggest jump is, you know, making that first step to come over to Europe and play. So, um, you know, if nothing works out, I know I, I, I can come back to Europe and um, I know the system, I know how to, how everyone plays over here, so um, it'll be an easier adjustment. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just a, a thing in the summer I'm just going to have to revisit. Dante Exum, guys, thanks a lot for your time. Best of luck uh, for the remainder of the season. And follow us on basketnews.com. Appreciate it.